We are doing this series on faith. Last week, we were talking about the Hebrew word for faith, which is aman, which means steadfast. It means firm. And this dude called Habakkuk did this amazing verse in Habakkuk 2, verse 2. He did this, this, this bar. So according to the tradition, the Hebrew tradition, um, with Moses, we had 613 laws to be fulfilled. David, in one of his psalms, drops it down to like these 13 instructions that compiles everything together. Isaiah goes, nah, blood, I can get it down to three. Oh no, Isaiah gets it down to six. Malachi gets it down to three. Isaiah, in the second attempt, gets it down to two. And then Habakkuk comes like straight barring on the stage, like man like Moses, 613 bars, it's a bit long, um, but I can do it in one. And he basically, Habakkuk verse two, gets up, gets the mic, says, the just shall live by faith. Boom. Drops the mic, exit stage right, done. No more to say. And literally we looked at that and it literally translates in the Hebrew language as the just shall live by his faithfulness, meaning the person who's, who, his, by his actions. Because um, faith isn't this um, ethereal idea of there. It's uh, something you believe in, but it's also your actions combined with it. So faith can never be this separate thing. So a lot of times you hear people talking about faith in a way that basically makes no sense. It's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Faith and actions is the same thing. Faith, believing is a verb. Welcome to the English language. Believing is a verb. So if you believe something, you do it. Otherwise, you don't believe it. So Habakkuk drops it that way. But in the bigger narrative of the whole of the scriptures with the Old and the New Testament together, we can look at Habakkuk 2 verse 2 in a new light, which is the just shall live by his faithfulness. So it's by the faithfulness of God, we can trust in what he says to be true, that we can live our lives holistically and whole, complete, and in correct balance and in correct peace that God gives that no one can take away. He gives peace in a way that no one understands or comprehends. So today, we are going to go through Hebrews chapter 11. Now, the book of Hebrews, though it is called Hebrew, is not written in the Hebrew language, it's written in the Greek. Now, the Greek word for faith is a word called pistis, which means um, guarantee or warranty. So when we read the word faith, let's not think of some fancy, Christian-y, ethereal thing. We're thinking about the warranty you get with your Ikea sofa or mattress. It is there. Now, it hasn't broken yet, so you don't know yet if it's true, but you have this piece of paper that says that this is broken, it shall be fixed. And that is kind of what faith is for us. It's a guarantee, a warranty that has been paid for in the blood of Jesus. So when we read this word faith, that's kind of what we're talking about. That's the picture behind it. Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things yet not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And then he starts to list. So by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Which is ironic because in science... As we talked about before, when it comes to string theory, everything comes down to small vibrations on tiny strings, according to the string theory. The spoken word of God spoke everything into being. It's no shock to me that everything is made up of small vibrations. So the very universe is sustained by that which is not visible, that which is not tangible, but that which is kind of sound, resonating, which is kind of what the Bible says. And Hebrews carries on with that tradition. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though which he was commended as righteous God commending him by accepting his gifts and though his faith though and through his faith though he died he still speaks by Enoch by by faith Enoch was taken up so that he 
should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning of events as yet unseen, still sticking to this um, definition, in reverent fear and respect, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. I love that. That's just a bare joke. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that was foundations, whose designer and builder is God. That's awesome. That's this guy, that's a, that's a social innovator right there, looking to go out to find a place whose city and designer is God, that the very culture of this city would be founded in this way, it would be innovative, be totally different. That's Abraham back in the day, rolling hard. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead, were born the descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many of the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. I love that picture. It's like this journey, greeting them from afar. So these things are real that were promised to them, but for some of them, never actually seeing, feeling, touching not being tangible, but yet we live as beneficiaries of their faith. Their trust in God's promise is firm and concrete. We live in the benefits of, and many often lived in the benefits of, but they only sealed them and greeted them from a distance. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a new home. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But they were looking at something completely different. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, all your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Wow. Joseph hasn't even died and he's already envisioning God is showing him in faith what's going to happen to the people. And so he makes out the plan of where his bones need to go to follow them, that they're not staying in Egypt. By faith, 
Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's instruction or edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He was considered the reproach. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people of the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the, when the Egyptians attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies of Israel. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets who, uh, who through faith conquered the kingdoms, enforced justice and obtained promises, stopped the, the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment for they were stoned they were sawn in two they were killed with the sword they went on about they went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute afflicted mistreated of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since god had promised something better for us since God had promised something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect Hebrews 12 now this is where it gets interesting therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand throne of God. Do not, um, sorry, right, right hand throne of God. Consider him who has endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten that exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for that, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have an earthly father who disciplines us and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, are, they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. 
but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. So as it goes all through all this, it comes to this point where he goes through, by faith, all these different people, looking at all their stories of faith. The reason he's doing this is because the writer to Hebrews, though we don't know who it is, some have said it's Paul, some have said it's Apollos, and some have said even that it's a random woman. We don't know because the way the letter's written. But whoever the writer is, they're writing to Hebrew people, and they're trying to explain to them who Jesus is. They're trying to explain the faith to them, the, the newfound Messiah, and then that, how it all links in and ties in together. So they take the notion, the idea that we talked about of Habakkuk, that the just shall live by his faithfulness. He looks at what faith is. He defines it the whole way down, leads them through all the different stories, but it leads them to one road and one place, which is Jesus and his story. And for they disciplined us for a short time, it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. So the, the point of it all being that the just shall live by his faith. So it, it all fulfills into this one point. Now, if you have these different stories of faith, all leading to this one ultimate story of faith, and if we all have our own story of life, we all have our own story of the struggle, we have our own story of what life is and how we trust in God, yet all of them come together in this one big story, the Jesus story. So we have our story, we have his story. And then the transition is, and what the author here is trying to do, is he's trying to lead a lot of people to come from a position of their story to the Jesus story and putting their trust in it. Some years ago, I was in northern Canada. I was visiting some friends of mine. I was staying with them. They were missionaries in a place called Sioux Lookout. It's one of the roughest, has one of the roughest native reserves in Canada. And a bit like, ironically, on Friday, I was thinking, I want to share this story. I want to talk about this. I want to look at this. And um, I was remembering, man, I remember that trip. And I remember like being in a church on a Sunday and being so unbelievably sick. Like this sickness just came over me. Like I was terrible. Like I, I, I collapsed into the chair in front of me. I was unconscious. And I remember my friend's dad had said afterwards, he said, well, if he falls on the floor, then we'll take him home. But I couldn't fall on the floor because I was passed out and this chair was holding me up. And so I was completely out of it. I went back to the missionary's house. I stayed in bed and I was hallucinating, going in and out of like consciousness. They couldn't get a doctor because um, there is no doctor in the town. It's that small. And um, the only thing they'd have had is like an air ambulance which flies in. But it has to be really serious to call an air ambulance in because they didn't know what was wrong with me. They can't really just phone an air ambulance like, yo, this guy's kind of sick. Don't know what's up with him. Um, and so it was like really quite messed up. And so I just lay in bed, went through this kind of fever thing. And I can't remember even if it was that day in the evening or the next day, because it was all a blur for me because I was hallucinating and stuff. So it's quite hard for me to keep an accurate timeline. But I remember I was meant to be speaking to these teenagers. And then they said to me, oh, don't worry, you know, we can make other plans. It's a shame you won't be able to do it. But, you know, um, everyone understands that you are really, really ill. So it's okay, you don't have to do it. And I was like, no, 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 no. There's no way I'm not going to go do this. There's no way. It's not happening. It was really messed up because before I set off to go to um, Canada, I was reading this book my granddad had, which I've kind of still got, which is like, it's like um, John Wesley's diary, but he only had the third volume. And as you flick through it, 
you go one page where he's preaching and like thousands of people come to Jesus and then the next page you turn he's preaching somewhere and they throw rocks at him they throw tomatoes at him and they try and kill him and he has to like ride away on horseback and get away and stuff and I was reading this and then I read a few other things the week before I got there which probably wasn't too helpful like of someone being on their deathbed and continuing to kind of preach until they kind of died and I was just like read that and I was really inspired and a bit loopy and like there's no doctor to see anyway so I was like no I'm gonna do this I don't care if I die and they were looking at me like oh you're a weirdo um but I did it I went to go speak to these teenagers and got to this like um place and I couldn't even stand up I had to sit in this chair and had a bucket ready to throw up in and it was the weirdest place I've ever spoken before in my life um do you remember at school when you had to do music and you had choir sheets anyone remember that and you hear the rustling all around the room like, if everyone doing the choir sheets, and, the, and your teacher would be like, stop rustling the paper. It was like that, yeah? Everyone remembers that? Yeah. Everyone experienced it? Cool. Well, that moment, I was in this room, and I could hear the rustling of the paper sheets everywhere, but no one had any paper in their hands. These teenagers were just so fidgety, and they couldn't sit still, that they just kept moving. And I was like, man, I'm Ill, like, am I tripping? Am I hallucinating? Like, this is kind of weird. So I did this talk about Jesus. I did this talk about his story, this talk about the gospel, but I also shared my story. And I remember bringing it to a close and I was like, that's it, I need to get out of here, I'm so rough. So I didn't stay around to chat to anyone, got straight in the car, went back, um, and the next day there was this phone call. And um, my friend's mum answered the phone and there was this teenager, this girl on the phone, and she's like, I wanna speak to the man. <laughs> that was what she said. And so. She comes over to me, she brings me this phone. And um, I get the phone, I'm like, oh, hi. And all she says, like the, the, the indigenous people are there, straight to the point. There's no, there's no, how's the weather today? How are you feeling? You feeling any better? There was just, is it true? I was like, is, is what true? <laughs> like, what do you mean, is it true? Like, is what true? Like, bit of background here. Like, that's a pretty direct statement. I don't know what's going on in your head, so I can't say. Something I don't know isn't true that is true. Like, what's true? And she goes, what you said the other day, is it true? And so we chatted for a bit. And I realized she was talking about the Jesus narrative and how she heard my story and what I'd been through and how she'd heard that then his story and the bridge from my story to his story and how his story made me whole and his story made me complete and his story restored the peace and, 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 and the love into my life where there was no peace, where there was no justice. And all she wanted to know wasn't so much my story, she believed my story. She wanted to know, is his story real? Is it true? And I was on the phone to this girl and I said, yes, the story is true. And then she said this statement, completely direct. I want his story to be my story. And so on this phone, we had this moment as this girl encountered the Jesus story and it no longer became this abstract ethereal thing over here but it became her story and she encountered Jesus and we prayed and the peace that he gives that no one else gives came and was her peace and she was made whole and she could feel the balance restored to her life and the peace of God that surpasses understanding now the reason this peace surpasses understanding was because after that moment I got off the phone and I shared what happened and the missionaries were like really hit and really touched by it and they started to share with me the context that I didn't know about and it made the rustling all make sense in the room. Ha ha ha, Siri wants to speak. It made everything make sense. 
as the missionary started to tell me that all the girls in this reserve had all been abused, 100%. They hadn't met a girl that hadn't been abused yet. And for many of them in their story, it was by their brothers, their uncles, their fathers. And so in this room, you had all these abused children that didn't know what peace was, didn't know what balance was in life. And so they couldn't sit still. And that's why there was the rustling of the paper when there was no paper in the room. And this girl hears that the Prince of Peace has come and died on a cross that she may receive life, that she may receive love, that she would be cherished, that she was worth that much, that he would take her badness and her hurt and her pain and her wrongness and that he would give her the gift of life everlasting, that he would restore the balance to her life. And on that phone, all she wanted to know was, is it true? And as I was able to say, yes, it's true, she said, I want it to become my story. And as she put her trust in Jesus, she joined the list of Hebrews chapter 11, the just shall live by his faithfulness. And she put her trust in him. And for the first time in her life, she was whole. She was reconnected to this God. And the pain and the hurt of the abuse she'd gone through. And she left that phone conversation a different person. The good news of Jesus is, I can't give you faith. I can't give you trust. I can't tell you to believe. I can't tell you to have faith. I can tell you his story. I can tell you her story. I can tell you my story. And how my story and her story became his story. And it became ours. And that together, Jesus restores our lives, that he makes us whole in ways we could never be whole, that he restores the peace, the balance, where there could never be restoration of peace and balance, where he can take the most crazy and dirty and disturbing wrongs that can happen to us, and yet we can walk a life completely whole again because he gives us his goodness and his righteousness. And we get to join this select group of people who the writer to Hebrews says by faith they became people of whom this world was not worthy because this world is not in correct balance, it's not in correct peace but we can be through Jesus I'm going to pray for us this morning and wrap that up Father God I just want to take this talk as if it were a phone conversation you know every single individual person here, you know our weeks where we've had a tough week at at school, nursery, or university, or at work, or just in our lives, our relationships, our friendships, our marriage, our, our dating, or whatever our situation is, God, you know each one of us. You know the hurts, you know the pain, you know the, the heartache, you know the loss that we feel that we need to grieve, you know the failures that we can feel at time, you know the, the pain that's deeply rooted in our hearts. Father, we come to you just like an Ikea mattress and we hold up the guarantee, the warranty that you've given us on the cross and we ask God that you would make us whole, that you would repair us, that you would restore us. Your word says that when you come again in the twinkling of an eye, we will be made whole, we will be restored, we will be new. And Father, we look to that ultimate restoration with such anticipation, excitement and gratefulness 
But Father, we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would start a work in us today that would continue and start a restoration within us, that would be conformed more and more into your image, that we would know your peace and your love. Holy Spirit, would you just breathe into us afresh your love and your peace. Would you flow over us? You know exactly where inside of us that there is that deep longing emptiness, pain, heartache, would you make us whole, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.